Oh, he's fangirling already. Let's bring him in. Before I already you... warned him that I was going to be be fangirling for this because I'll try to keep him tame here. Scott is in the studio. What's up, fellas? What's up? What's, what's up? So I was I was telling the story of why I'm such a huge Josie Scott slash saliva fan, and okay. I started at WCPR Rock Station in 1999, right before everything started to really take off for you guys. Uh, so you guys were the, the, the band that I saw break out and just climb rapidly. And I instantly became a fan. Uh, and I told him in the past, I was like, I was such a big fan and still a big fan of everything saliva that I never knew that one day I'd be good friends with Paul Crosby. And then I'd be talking to Josie Scott on my own show instead of a radio station show. I, I absolutely <laughs> love it. So thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me, man. I'm so glad to be on the Sound 228, man. Thank you guys for being so gracious. So we want to we want to we want to dab, dab a little bit in into Josie Scott's saliva history and then get to where you're at now. Um, I'll dab away, brother. Jared, you wanted to start it off, so go ahead. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so Josie, I don't know how much you know about the show, but like you know, we deal with like the up and coming guys that are that are. We pride ourselves on finding the guys before they break break super big, right? So, uh, that's kind of what our audience is. That's who's watching us. The guys at the local band level and the national level that are like chomping at the bit to get where sure. you 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 made it to, right? So, Kevin right. and I were talking before the show, like. Uh, he and I both saw y'all at Tipitina's in New Orleans back in 2003 uh, with wow. Breaking Benjamin opening up for you. Uh, and we think it was Head P.E. was the was the middle band. Uh, wow. but, but yeah, yeah. So we so we've been Saliva fans for a while. Uh, what I wanted to know was like if you could give us like how, how did Saliva form, man? When like what was it like when y'all were just getting cranked up and y'all were the local band in your hometown? Like how did everybody meet and how did you get to that debut album and what everybody knows, you know, click click boom, it just exploded. Well, actually, um, I was in a band in 1996 uh, from from about I think 91, 92 to 96 called Blackbone and uh, was with uh, some local guys um, there in Memphis. And uh, we, you know, toured kind of regionally by the skin of our teeth. And we had like a, this crappy old Chevy van that we pieced together with no money. And we got like this really awful trailer and, we Sounds, like a local on, band. Sounds like a yeah, local band. Yeah, we just uh, took on the world. I still can't remember how in the world we ever had food or money. <laughs> um, I remember uh, digging through the carpet in the old Chevy van to, to uh, put together two quarters to go to the local 7-Eleven and get – they had quarter hot dogs, and we were literally starving artists back then. Me and Chris DeBaldo, who was in Saliva, uh, was actually with me in Blackbone. And I remember uh, hustling to get uh, like a, a, a hot dog from from the local 7-Eleven and, and just being skinny as a rail and never getting to eat. And, and just it was craziness. But you know what? It was the greatest time of my life as far as breaking into the music industry and everything was new and uh, wide open. And, you know, like Dave Grohl says, you're you're going out with a bunch of people that don't know if they're ever coming home. You're in a van that could possibly possibly break down at any moment. You're uh, in a career that could possibly shut down at any moment. Uh, having the time of your life that could end at any moment. And. You know, we just went out and sort of regionally took on the world. We were, uh, we went to like Little Rock and Chicago and Dallas and, of course, Memphis and then Nashville. And uh, we went like to Atlanta. And, and one time we ventured out to Los Angeles. And like, I think we broke down in like El Paso or something. And we had to like rent a car and ride with these chicks to LA. And it was just, it was a mess. That's a real story. Um, I can tell. But, uh, 
after um, sort of Blackbone sort of imploded, you know, I, being an inexperienced uh, guy as far as getting along and being married to four other guys, because any way you slice it, a band is a five or a four or five way marriage and you have to learn how to get along. Now I wouldn't learn that until after Blackbone. So we had about a, a about a, a four or five year shelf life and then everything just blew up. Uh, everybody was of course fighting and not getting along. And uh, we, you know, swore we'd never speak to each other again, left with five middle fingers in the air, going to five different directions. And it was just horrible. And I remember riding home uh, from that trip. And I remember that I can remember how cold the glass felt uh, on the window of the van when I had my head against the window. And I was already planning what I was going to do, the moves I was going to make. I had the band name picked out already. I I swore I was going to uh, not be the nice guy anymore because nice guys finish last. And I was going to go home and I was going to unrepentantly go to all the best bands in Memphis and steal their guitar players and steal their drummers. And uh, I went home and... Uh, I locked myself in my bedroom. I was still living with my mom in Memphis uh, on Green Dolphin Street where I was born, where I grew up. And I just locked myself in the bedroom and went into this dark black depression for about a, a month and a half. And I just wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote. And out of that time, I wrote Greater Than, Less Than. Uh, I, I wrote... Um, a lot of the black album, the first album that we, that I did with saliva, um, and wrote songs like cellophane and, uh, uh, songs, songs like that, uh, that would be on the, the first saliva record. And then I did exactly what I said I was going to do. I went, um, and, uh, hooked up with Todd pool, who was, uh, the singer for Roxy blue, but he was actually playing drums at the time because I wanted Wayne Sweeney. Wayne Sweeney was the best lead guitar player in Memphis. He had been for years and years. He was a little bit, uh, senior. He was a little bit older. He's going to kill me for saying that, but he was, a little, <laughs> he was a little bit older than we were. And I just adored him and I wanted him so bad. And I was willing, willing to, you know, steal him from whatever band he was in. He had been in famous Memphis bands like TNA uh, and uh, River City uh, Rascals and uh, just uh, incredible guitar players. So I went to him and I said, hey, you know, I'm putting a band together. It's going to be called Saliva and it's going to be the best thing since sliced bread. you got to come do this with me, man. And he was like, let's do it dude let's i'm in you know so uh and then i actually started jamming in todd pool's basement uh and he was the drummer who's a fabulous drummer by the way and a incredible songwriter he actually uh helped me write uh your disease and you know uh songs like that uh and so, like i said uh helped me finish cellophane and, and and do different things with different songs and um then uh, we went to this band called Gemini Clan and got Dave because Dave Novotny was the hot bass player in Memphis, you know. And then um, Chris DeBaldo was a package deal. Me and Chris were always a package deal. So had a rhythm guitar player, check. Had my, uh, my awesome lead guitar player, check. Had a drummer and had my bass player, Dave Novotny. And we really wrote uh, well together and everything was going really well. And then uh, something happened. Uh, there were some some issues uh, that that happened uh, in the band and Todd had to step away. And I knew I was already planning. I, I almost had this like intuition that that was going to happen. And it made me really sad. But I wanted Paul Crosby so 
bad. He was in this band called 10 Pound Sledge. And then he was in one of my favorite bands called Mother Crush there in Memphis. And I just swore, I was like, I'm going to get this guy. I'm going to get this guy. And I went to his house and him and his wife at the time, uh, named uh, Lindsay, they, uh, they had had a fight and she had sworn that he was done with the music industry, that he was going to go do, I think he was doing heat and air at the time. And it was making killer cash. Actually, he was the only one of us that actually had a job (laughs) that made good money. And I told his wife, I said, I said, please, please, in God's name, if you will just trust me, and let me have your baby, Paul Crosby, and please let him come be my drummer. I promise you we're going to make it, and it's going to be great, and it's going to be awesome. And I'll take care of him, and I won't let him, you know, hurt himself or, or you know, get mixed up in anything bad, which was all lies. <laughs> <laughs> but she, sweet little Lindsay, uh, Lindy Sue told me, she said, if it was anybody else, it would be a hard no for me. She said, but because it's you, I'll let you have him. And I was like, yes. So after that, we went into the band room that night. And I think we wrote, we wrote dope ride right off the bat. Uh, uh, just an amazing chemistry with those four guys and myself right away. Like just, uh, almost, I mean, I don't want to get too spiritual or theatrical on you, but it was just cosmic. It was a cosmic power that was in the room with the five of us at the time that, that we played together and we it just couldn't have been more magical and we wrote song after song it seemed like we just wrote songs with ease ideas would come we would work them out next thing you know they had lyrics and we were off to the races and so that's that's kind of how we got started I love, I love it. You it. hit all the hot points. You hit the, the the struggling in the van. Everybody's got a, a wife or a girlfriend story that they had to deal with through whether it was their own or their bass player, drummer's wife. Like that's a that's an up and coming story, man. I dig it. I dig it. <laughs> I dig it. I'm sorry I took the long way around there, but that's I just okay, wanted- man. We, it's an internet show. We don't even have to pay by the minute or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get all the good stuff in there. Yep. That's that's the whole reason when we have a guest like you, we we kind of we try not to schedule anything else so we can do a deep dive with you and right. kind of kind of find out all the details because with with up and coming bands, there's stuff that you're going to tell and say that happens to every band that they haven't even gotten there yet. They don't, right. they don't have a right. clue that that's going to happen because it's going to happen one way or the other. It's going to happen. And, right. Uh, so we loved it. We loved it when we have artists like you on to deep dive a little bit, to give a little backstory of the history and the, and the, and the things that you've gone through uh, personally with bands. So it's always fun to do that. So if you, well, if, you, you. if you, if you get long winded, we don't care. Let's go. We're, yeah. we're here to listen. <laughs> I, I love to hear stories. I love to hear. Uh, so I thought I knew a lot about saliva and, and, and you and I, course doing research today and i'm going and reading stories and i found a video and i'm not going to show it i didn't i didn't do it but from pickle tv oh yeah that, that covered you guys from i think 1996 to 99 and it had right. like the very first show you guys played out live where you were dressed as a nun yeah <laughs> <laughs> we used to do a halloween show every year we kind of grew up on beale street in memphis you know where elvis used to play and bb king used to play and uh all the famous blues men had been through there like blind mississippi morris and uh you know james brown had played there prince played there one night and i oh thank god i I sweet talked my way through the door and got to this little private party that he played. He, this man did a four hour show at the pyramid and then came and did this little private party at the Daisy and played for another three and a half hours, man. I was blown. I'm talking about full show played all the hits had dancers on stage. 
like lighting pyro the whole show dude he didn't come there and just do a jam session with a with a piano and a microphone he did the whole print show dude i was so blown away so we we used to uh, we were good friends with uh, who they called the Pope of Beale Street. His name's uh, Mike Gl- uh, Mike Glenn, and uh, his son Mikey Junior is uh, still books shows for me in Memphis, and just amazing family. And I, they're like they're like he's like a father to me. And he used to get us shows like opening for Blind Melon, and he got us shows opening for the Cult. And just just uh, and then in between shows, we would go hustle amps and and carry equipment for other bands when he needed roadies and he would throw us a hundred bucks or maybe a couple hundred bucks. And then I was a hustler. I would I would like lug equipment in and then I would turn around and bar back for him that night and make and make another couple of hundred bucks and uh, got to load in for bands like Tool. Uh, when they were first playing their Alice in Chains, um, damn, and uh, Bootsy Collins, oh, one of the greatest bass players in history, uh, got to lug in his bass amps, and I promise you, I may, I probably loaded in at least two hundred bass amps that day, and he just had a wall of bass, dude. It was incredible. Uh, but I, I loved those days there at the at the Daisy and getting to play those opening shows uh, for Mr. Glenn. And uh, sort of poetically, that's where our career took off. That's where we finally got the attention of Island Def Jam. And uh, they they offered us a deal. And, you know, we had been turned we had been passed on in that room by Atlantic Records. We had been passed on in that room by Capitol Records. We had been passed on by all these different uh, record labels until my own mother looked at me and she said, Joseph, she calls me Joseph. If I had to endure the rejection that you boys have had to endure, I would rather mop up the floor in a peep show. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, well, mom, it's not quite that bad, but it's, you know, it hurts. I got to where even today, when my wife will be out to eat and she'll be, Hey, can you pass me the salt? Just saying the word pass makes my blood, makes my body go clench <laughs> because I heard the word pass so many times, uh, from, from every different label. And, and, uh, then to hear, you know, that we were accepted by Island Def Jam and, you know, something, uh, somebody never told me, was when these guys and, and I know that's a different industry we work in now and, and record deals are offered differently and gotten differently. They're usually gotten through social media now instead of playing out so much. But back in the day, you know, they used to say, well, we'll fly you to L.A. and put you guys in a hotel and we'll take you out to dinner and then we'll we'll go over to a studio and we'll set you guys up and you can play for us and, and, and do a sh- do a showcase. Well, of course, we gladly did this for all these different record labels and and all they would end up doing from my point of view was stand there with their arms folded and then tell me after the show why I wasn't good enough. And it was it was very hurtful, you know, and and that's just something you have to go through in this industry. So when Island Def Jam showed interest in us. You know, we had sold about 10,000 copies of our Black Album locally, just literally putting them on consignment in um, uh, the old dinosaur record stores and yep. selling them out of the trunk of our car on Beale Street. We, we had sold about 10,000 records, and we had the, these wonderful DJs uh, there in Memphis that played us on, like, locals-only nights and stuff like that. And... Uh, Island Def Jam finally called and they said, they said the same thing. They said, we're going to fly you guys out to New York. We're going to put you up in a hotel. We'll take you out to a fabulous dinner. And then we're going to take you to a studio uh, or, uh, you know, a rehearsal studio. And we're, we're going to set you guys up. And I, I, I literally was on the phone uh, with like 
my manager, my lawyer, and all these people and the record label. And I said, no, no. I said, because I had just hurt past one too many times. And I, I said, no, we're not going to do that. I said, you're going to come to Memphis and you're going to let me pack out the Omni New Daisy on Beale Street. And you let me rock the hell out of that place with, with my guys and rock the walls down off that place. And then you can look me in my eye and tell me no. I said, we're not going to come to New York and watch all of you guys stand there in $3,000 suits with your arms folded just to tell us that you passed and tell us the reasons that we're not good enough. Well, of course we're not good enough. We're in a freaking rehearsal space with a bunch of guys that would rather be getting a root canal than be there. And, you know. And playing songs that they, they've never heard and with the band that they've never seen, of course they're going to say no. Unless you open up the sky and, the, and angels come down with golden handwriting, you know, uh, for, of songs, they're going to say no. So that, there was this, after I said, you guys are going to come to New York and we're going to rock the Omni New Daisy and then you can tell us no, there was this long, like, 30-second silence on the phone. And I was like... I ruined it, yeah. I was like, I did it, dude. I have crapped the bed, dude. It's all over. It's all over. I've single-handedly destroyed everything I built with one sentence. Yeah. And uh, after that long period of silence, I heard Lior Cohen, which he he's a uh, like he's got this is Israeli special forces accent, and he goes, okay. We will come to Memphis. Oh, I God. was like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That make, they had to make the trip, you know? I mean, if yeah. you think about it, that's what you were asking them to do. But I, I definitely get the philosophy behind that. I was going to ask you that question as you were talking. So on those showcases, there was no crowd whatsoever other than the executives that were making the decision? Right. Most of that's the time. What, it, it, the, the, a couple of times we played – you know, little clubs and it was just the bartenders and the staff. And then we would play a, a what they called a, a re rehearsal space. You know, one of those places that they rent out for a band right. for, that are rehearsing for a big tour, you know, yeah. and, and they would always stand there with their arms folded and, and tell, tell me, no, I had a record executive that I'll leave his name out of it, but he walked up to me and said, why should I sign you when I can sign another Jonathan Davis? And it just broke my heart. It just broke my heart. Wow. And I said, wow. you know what? I'm going to go back to Memphis. I think that's I'm just, good. There's so much wrong in that statement from him. And he's in the business. That's his job. Like, that's making no sense to me, man. That's crazy. Right. That's crazy. But, you know, that they, they said things like that. You know, in, in 1997, when we were, showcasing for another label for another executive that I'll leave his name out of it. My father had died. My father passed away suddenly, uh, at my age now, actually, uh, he was 50 years old, uh, and he had a massive heart attack and passed away on October 7th of 1997. And I was just devastated. And, um, uh, like any, you know, son would be, but I was a daddy's boy. So I was, just absolutely devastated. He was my brother. He was my father. He was my best friend. He was my bus driver. He, he was just so close. Like we couldn't have been closer and he suddenly dies. And the record executive, um, that we were showcasing for my dad died on a Tuesday and the showcase was that Friday night at the Omni new Daisy. And, uh, the guy, it got back to me that the guy said, man, I feel bad for the kid. I, I kind of want to give him a deal just because his dad died. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But <laughs> that wouldn't have worked either, you know? Right. Either. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, these, are, you, you, at the time you see these, I'm glad you brought that up because at the time you see these things as heartbreaking uh, bumps in the road that almost destroy you. But if you look back at how they happened, they're blessings in disguise, man. They're not where your destiny wanted you. That They're not where you were meant to be. And these things, I believe, 
for me personally, these things happen for a reason because you're not yet where destiny wants you to be. You know, yeah. I, I love that old saying that you're not falling apart. You're actually falling into place. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I can agree with that for sure. That, that record exec didn't believe in you. Uh, enough, you know, he didn't, and it wouldn't have worked. That would have just strung you on for weeks, months, years, and and maybe not right. panned out, right? I mean, you never really know, but that's the vibe that I get from that. Um, are you are you still okay on time? Because we're good. I, I know you got some guests that just joined you in the car. We don't want to hold you <laughs> up if you got to go, but we're good. No, I I mean, are you guys good? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> my my fa- I'm 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 actually at church. We're leaving church, and I've got my little girls in the car. My wife's in the car and my son's around here somewhere i can't find him but he's on his way to the car well we love while, while you're while you're in there and you're sitting next to your wife tell her thank you because yes. she is the whole reason that we were able to get you on the show yeah it is she the greatest she yeah. is just like superwoman man she is the most amazing wife i don't see how in the world that she can be the amazing wife she is and the, the amazing mother she is to our to our two daughters and our 16 year old son she i just can't and you know helps me with my career and she works a full-time job uh, at a high school dealing with kids it's amazing wow. she's but unbelievable behind, behind every great man is there's always a great woman so amen brother she's proving that right I, I will tell you this. We're going to take a, a short little break. I put a little video together. So you've been out of music. Well, I don't want to say you were out of music, but you were out of the rock side of music and stuff like that for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. And you've come back in the last, what is it? Four months, three months, four months. Yep. About and six months. Yep. Six months. You've done a lot already. So I, I put a little video together and we're just going to watch it. It's about four minutes long of just some of the things you've done since you've come, come back. And uh, so All we're going right. to play that real quick, and then we'll come back and uh, finish up everything with you and, and talk about what's the future for Josie. So yeah. hold on. Right. Here we go. So anyway, wow. that, yeah, that was, man. I mean, in six months, yeah. Red Rock Festival, that was Rocklahoma. You got, you're on stage with Brett Michaels and Poison, which if I'd have been there, I'd have been absolutely in heaven seeing both of you on stage together. Because as <laughs> I was watching some of that today, I actually wrote it down in my, my notebook, and I said, rock and roll is so much better when Josie's singing Click, Click, Boo. Oh, man, you are so kind. You just made my year. Thank you so much. That's so sweet. To see that, even even on the Blue Ridge stuff, so... They they call it a they called it a saliva reunion, but it was just you and Wayne, the original members of, of Saliva. Um, how did it feel to be on that stage with the saliva background, the backdrop there, and and playing some of the saliva songs <laughs> while while Bobby l- let you in and and you let Bobby in, and you've you you've talked about how great Bobby is for saliva. What's what's that atmosphere? I know at one point in 2019 there was a talk of maybe there was going to be a reunion with you guys. And then of course COVID and the pandemic and things kind of went different directions. Is there a possibility that you may see some of the original members all together again on stage? Uh, well, I mean, I, I, re- I can't speak for, for those guys. I know that um, the, the pandemic, especially for our family was just absolutely devastating. Uh, you know, it was just a bad year. You know, Kobe Bryant was killed in a helicopter crash, which really just, I knew that was a bad omen. I knew something bad was, was coming in 2020. I just didn't know what, but I had this gut feeling. And, um, then the pandemic hit, you know, and everything kind of, uh, blew up in our face as far as, uh, you know, getting getting the reunion uh back together and then i lost my son you know um in 12 short days my son cody uh he was 29 years old he was my first child uh had my uh child with my high school sweetheart back in uh 1991 uh he was born and uh you know he'd been on the road with me uh, you know uh, me and my wife, Kendra, have been together for almost 20 years, and he considered her 
his second mother, you know, and, and we just had, you know, she had such a close motherly relationship with him. And I mean, I don't want to bring the, the, the energy down or, or make this negative at all, but there's just nothing harder, um, and more devastating than, than losing a child. Um, I was so heartbroken. I, I didn't know what, I didn't know what to do. I started looking on Google for help because I needed somebody to talk to and somebody to sort of give me some kind of coping skills or something to, to guide me through it because I was losing my stuff, dude. And, uh, I remember Googling, uh, losing a child. And it said the ultimate tragedy. That's what Google said. Yeah. And, uh, I knew right then that it was going to be a long, hard road out of hell for me, for my wife, for my little ones. You know, I had to explain this uh, to my seven-year-old daughter. I had to explain this to my 11-year-old daughter. And I had to somehow explain this to my 16-year-old son. And, it, you know, I couldn't have imagined losing a sibling at those three ages, any three of them. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know... Th that of course uh changed everything you know and i i, I thought for a, for a while there after cody passed i i just thought I, I think this may be a sign that maybe i just need to be done maybe i maybe i need to to go back to uh my counseling uh career and and you know counsel people uh, they're dealing with mental health issues. Mental health is a big priority of mine uh, for people and uh, helping people with drugs and alcohol and and uh, getting into treatment, helping people that don't necessarily have the ways and the means to get into treatment like veterans and homeless people. I was enjoying that career any anyway. And I thought, you know, is this should I just go back to to doing that and being a counselor and. I had a dream uh, for a long time. I, I w would pray that, that God would let me dream of Cody or, or, or just give me some kind of sign or something. And, and nothing was happening, man. It was just like I was lost in this black abyss. Uh, and I had a dream one night that I was laying on the canvas of a boxing ring. And I woke up strangling on what I thought was I couldn't tell if it was spit or blood or something was in my mouth and but I had a boxing glove on and I was rubbing my mouth like that and I was seeing blood come out of my mouth and my nose and I was on the mat and I remember thinking to myself somebody like that movie Friday somebody has knocked me the F out you know <laughs> what I mean and I was like, who hit me? What, what hit me? What happened? Uh, and I felt some, someone tug at, at the back of my shirt like that and pull me up. And, and they got down in my ear and the voice said, dad, you got to get up. You got to get up, dad. Come on, pops. And when he said pops, I, I knew it was my son. And he said, you got to get up, Pops. You, you got to get up and fight. You got to get up and fight. And I, I, I could smell him. I could hear, I could feel his breath in my ear. And I almost was turned around to where I could see his face. And pow, I woke up, man. And, but I knew that that was a sign enough for me that Cody was trying to tell me from the other side. He was telling me, Daddy, you, you need to get up. You, you've got to get up and keep fighting. You've got to get up and pick up your sword and keep fighting. You can't just give up and die because I was, I, I was just, I was on the mat, man. I was knocked out, bro. And my child somehow encouraged me to get up off the mat. Um, other friends, I, I couldn't have done it without my wife and my family my friend Tony West, who is a singer out in Los Angeles, 
who's dealt with all kinds of loss and is a counselor in his own right. He was right by my side through this. Other people that I would have never expected to be there for me. Bobby Amaru's father was very key in talking to me and father to father telling me it's going to be okay. You've got to get back in there. You, you, you got to do this. You got to do it for yourself and you got to do it for your family. And, and was very encouraging to me. Uh, also my, my stepson Dylan and, uh, my stepdaughter, Brittany, their father, Brian was also with me the night I got the news and was, was so there for me, man. And, and, uh, you know, just comforted me and, and said, said, you know, beautiful things it's crazy how encouragement comes from the most unexpected places that you never thought it would have came from and uh and that sort of tied into blue ridge uh when i finally met met up with bobby uh his dad was you know concerned about me and bobby finally meeting each other and uh uh, and you know like there was going to going to be some kind of drama or something and i i told him i said i want to promise you father to father that i'm going to welcome bobby with open arms and i guarantee you he'll he'll do the same thing and when i got there and me and bobby finally met we we gave this big bear hug to each other and somebody took a picture and the picture made it online and got it back to to mr amaru and and he was like you kept your promise to me, man. And I, I thank you for that so much. But the one, the one thing that really helped me that day at Blue Ridge was, I, it was like flipping a switch. It was like I was on the couch watching movies with my kids one minute. And the next minute I'm walking out on stage in front of 160,000 people. And I started to have a, 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 little, a little bit of a panic attack just that nervous energy that I've always had. Even Elvis said he had nervous energy before he would go out on stage. And I'm going to try not to get emotional. My sweet angelic wife walked up to me and she took my arms in her hands. And she said, look at me, look at me. I need you to look at me in my eyes. And cause I'm, you know, doing this, I'm like, a, I, 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 I'm like a cat trapped in a box when, I, when I'm like that. And she said, you need to stop and look at me in my face. And I looked up at her and I stopped and she said, you need to breathe. And she said, listen to me, you belong here. You belong here. And that, I mean, you know what I mean? That's, that's just that's worth its weight in gold, dude. You know, to have a woman to stand by me like that, especially, you know, the woman I'm lost in love with and and have given my life to, has given me her life, you know, and is there for me in in such a moment. And she calms me down and makes me look her in the eye and tells me, "You belong here." I told her I want to get a tattoo that says, "You belong here." The, the 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 good ones know what means so much. Yeah, the good ones know what to say at the right time and just enough words to get the point across. And I think that's right. what she did. Yeah, absolutely. She knew and exactly what to say to me. This at is exactly uh, right time. I couldn't have said it better. She was absolutely correct. Yeah, you, you do. You do Thank belong you, here. Brother. Thank this you, has been, this has been greater than I expected. I knew it was going to be good, man. This has been awesome. And uh, Kevin, I, you mentioned before we went live today that Josie, you were in the studio today. Is that correct? I, I, I don't want to end this before we talk about the new stuff and what's going on. No, now, yeah, you know? yeah, man. I, I'm a huge Leon Russell fan. I've always uh, been a, a huge fan of Leon Russell. I, I saw him at the Memphis music festival when I was uh, a kid, I think I was, uh, my daughter Jordan's age. I think I was 11 or 12 years old. And you know, there's this, this tall skinny guy and, and he's wearing a suit and he's got this long blonde hair and this long blonde beard and this cool leather top hat with stars all the way across the front of it. 
and he's just tearing the piano apart, dude, and just killing song after song. And it, uh, it was a life-changing concert for me seeing him at Memphis Music Festival. Well, I got to, uh, I got to go to his, um, I got to tour his own personal studio called the church here in Tulsa today. And man, what an amazing studio. And it's, it's been, uh, this lady that bought it has, uh, refurbished it and just put all this beautiful artwork and uh she has all this memorabilia from the 70s and 80s uh from like all the outlaw country guys um you know from uh willie nelson and uh waylon jennings and uh just everybody in outlaw country that you can think of and also the gap band who's from uh tulsa oklahoma has a lot of memorabilia there and just a gorgeous studio i cannot wait to get in there and uh record some new stuff very soon so you you also uh if i remember you did you did some parts on a new silent theory song as well right yeah um silent theory yep uh one of the one of the bands paul crosby manages is called silent theory and they called me and uh invited me to come out to uh washington um and hook up with them and uh spit a verse on one of their songs and i was like why i was like you want me to come do that and they were like yeah man you got to come out and do it and i was all nervous and everything because you know you i think coming off the couch you know it's like my dad would say coming off the couch and going back to playing quarterback is a little more daunting than you think it is you know but i just had to uh, channel, you know, that, that, uh, God given thing that, that I believe, uh, you know, uh, my creator put in me, uh, to use, you know, I had to channel that thing and, uh, and I, I wrote a verse for the song and I got in the studio and, uh, like I, I, I was so nervous. I couldn't sleep on the plane. I couldn't sleep when I got there. And then I finally got into the studio and my voice, my voice was about to go out, but got in front of the mic, spit the verse, uh, perfectly like twice did two layers of it. It sounded awesome, man. The singer and, uh, the drummer were there and they were like, yeah, man, this is dope. They were like, okay, we're going to go across town and shoot the video. And I was like, now, and they were like, yeah, we're going to shoot the video today. I was like, we're going to record the song today and shoot the video today. They were like, yeah, yeah, we're going to do that. And I was like, wow, man, I All guess I'm world, just, ain't it? yeah. And I went and, uh, we went and had sushi. And then after that, they said, okay, man, we're going to go over and, uh, we're going to lip sync the video a couple of times. And, and, you know, you're on your part of the video you're going to walk up and do your part i said well man i I just recorded my part are they going to have my part across town he goes oh it's already there bro i was like what (laughs) i was like this is crazy all this newfangled technology boys we got (laughs) so we had uh we had somebody in the comments and i know i know you you were you a couple weeks ago you had gotten gotten ill um oh yeah I, I think there was a hattiesburg show that you were supposed to do that didn't happen somebody yep. was asking if there was going to be a rebooking of that hattiesburg show yes absolutely i'm going to make up those dates i hardly i hardly ever miss a show and uh it just broke my heart to have to reschedule those dates um but i'm uh, going to reschedule those dates for 23 and absolutely i'm going to come back and make every one of those shows up um yeah, man. COVID, dude. The, oh, yeah. For for me and my daughter, Jordan, it's the fifth time we've had it. Fifth time. Um, and it just it just knocks the wind out of your sails and and, you know, puts puts you down for for uh, quite a while. And, you know, it's a, it's a, obviously a really sensitive subject in our household. You know, it's we don't even like to say the word COVID, right. but, you know, it's. It's part of reality and part of what we have to deal with. And I just hate that that happened. But yes, absolutely. I'm going to make those shows up. So and I, before we let you go, there's one thing that I wanted to say. So the last time I saw you play live, I believe it was 2010 or 2011. 
I worked for a company called Atlas Fights. It was an MMA fight at the Hard Rock Casino in Biloxi. When the fights were over with, you guys played right after the fights. The cage was still set up in the middle. I remember that show, yeah. And that was the last time that I saw you play live. And I want to tell you something right now. You look great. You sound great. And it's very, very exciting to have you back in the music industry. Man, thank you so very much, dude. I... I think, you know, I think God sends you the right people at the right time to to tell you the things that you need to, to know at, at that point in your life. And you guys have really uh, have really helped me today. I appreciate the love and I appreciate you having me on your show. And uh, like, I, I'm just so grateful and thankful for you guys, man. And you're, you are welcome back anytime. That's Make true. sure you pass the message along to Andrew Goodfriend that you need to come to Biloxi. Yeah. So okay, we can get, you got it. We can, we can get that one taken care of. And because I am the fanboy, I will show you my favorite picture of all time from any CPR fest I ever worked. You ready? I'm ready. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's my Michael Vick jersey. I remember yep. that jersey. That was a that was an inside outside CPR fest. You guys headlined outside, and then inside was Breaking Benjamin, Twelve Stones, and uh, Godsmack. Wow, man! That I'd go to that show tonight. That sounds <laughs> yeah, fun. A, a lot of people would. So yeah. So what? Uh. So so can we expect live stuff in twenty three? Are you going to be hitting the road? Is that is that you? You got that already in the works? Absolutely, man. I'm uh. I did the tour of the studio today. I'm, uh, I have a single that I'm tediously working on to get out to the fans, uh, called evil Knievel. And, uh, I've got a couple of more songs, uh, a couple of more new songs that I'm going to record and I'm going to, uh, drop some singles back to back. I'm going to, uh, re-record a couple of songs and I'm going to hit the road full blast, man. Well, I will say that, that, if you don't know, we do have a reporting internet radio station that we run called The Sound. You can download nice. the app. Okay. Right so the if, sound you need, two, two, eight. if you need yeah. somebody to help you break that single out, let us know. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, you got you ain't got to ask me twice, brother. I appreciate the help, man, and I will definitely yeah. be in touch. Yeah, you got our contact, so just send it over, and we'll we'll spin it every hour like we de- we debut songs. If you want to do it that way, or we'll just add it regardless. Uh, so we'd love to do that and, and help you push it, man. I'm glad. And maybe I'll be- go ahead. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, I was just gonna say I'm glad to hear that you're gonna be back out on the road and playing live for 23. Man, that's exciting for sure. Man, thank you so much. Maybe I'll maybe I'll uh, get lucky and be able to. Sh- uh, record the song and shoot shoot the video on the same day like Silent Theory did. <laughs> hey, that's, I'm sure I'm sure you know the people that can make it happen. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the world we live in. And 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 I heard you say singles. And Kevin and I we talked to all the you know the up and coming guys. And that's the game now. It ain't like in that the is. early 2000s. Single video, single video, single video. So yeah. But, uh, well, I think I, I think you know uh, the. I think the culture uh, that we live in has been shaped by hip hop culture. I think it's been shaped by pop culture. Uh, You know, when we used to tour in saliva, when we used to go on tour over in Europe, I never understood why they didn't have different kinds of radio stations in Europe. They didn't have a rock station and a, a country station and a pop station. They had a pop station. Right. That was it. And I was like, wow, that's kind of that's kind of different, man, to have everything under one roof. That's almost kind of cool. And the next thing you know, here we here we are in America uh, having the same thing. But you know what? I I like it like that. And I'll tell you why, because at the end of the day, this industry, in my opinion, is all about the song, the song the song it's not about josie scott it's not about saliva it's not about any anyone's name and you have to get your ego out of the way you have to get uh the these things that are just there to hurt you off the table and you have to remember the reason we're all sitting here is because of a great song a great moment in a great song that moved somebody to do 
a certain thing in their life. And my favorite thing is when fans come up and say, your music helped me through a really hard time in my life. Or, or I had a girl come up to me one time and she said, I used to have a husband that would beat on me and you gave me the strength to leave him. And uh, because of songs like always, and you know, uh, I had a lady come up to me one night and she said, I want to thank you because you gave me the strength to take the shotgun out of my mouth. I was like, wow. yeah, that's what music can do wow. though. Absolutely. You, I mean, I, that's for sure. That, and that's the power of music is, is it's all about that song, man. And I, and that's where I'm moving on to is the song. I want to find the song, man. The song that's going to change everything. I love um, it. And everybody's waiting. Yeah. Yeah. So let us know. We'll yeah. end it on that. You oh, yeah. Know, and, uh, and we'll be in your corner, man. We'll be cheering right along. So. Oh, I'm definitely going to let you guys know, man. Thank you, Sound228, for having me, dude. And I am so thankful and grateful for you guys. You just don't even know. We, we appreciate thank it. You for all, thank you for all the wonderful things you said, too. Absolutely. And hey, thanks, like Kevin said, to your wife and to your children who in yes. the back who have been patiently waiting and quiet. I, I hey, applause to them, man. They're the they're the real heroes tonight. <laughs> so th thank you very much. And like we said, anytime you want to hop on, just let us know. If you want to talk about something, let's do it. We're all ears. You got it, man. I love it. And I will definitely be back in touch with you guys. And I'd love to chat with you again sometime. Absolutely. Let's All right, do man. it. Have a great Thank night. Thank you so much, Joseph. Right, you man. have a great night. Thank you. Love you guys. See Thank you. Here, man. Later on. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. We really appreciate the support. If you want to stay up to date with all the things we're doing here at The Sound, be sure to download our free radio app. It's in the App Store or Google Play. Just type in The Sound 228. It'll come right up. Download it on your phone. Listen to all the killer new music that Kevin and I are trying to promote to the masses. You can stay up to date with all of our social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you can also download the episodes of the podcast and The Homegrown Show all right there inside of the app. Go download it now. You won't be disappointed. And once again, we are the sound. We are New Rock.